Welcome to the ParkCast series, episode 38, part 2, Neglect, Assessment and Interventions. The ParkCast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast provides an outline of research on assessing child neglect. Further, it examines prevention and intervention programs for neglect. Introduction and Discussion Questions This podcast provides an overview of the assessment of neglect, assessment tools for neglect, and prevention and intervention programs available for neglect. This podcast will use the language of caregivers to be inclusive of both biological parents and other primary caregivers. Throughout this podcast, methodological implications will be highlighted in Methods Matter sections. Questions are also included in an attempt to encourage critical thinking and discussion regarding this issue. We would recommend that you consider your research questions both before and after listening to this podcast. An integral component of understanding neglect is examining the definition, risk, and protective factors and outcomes of neglect. Part 1 of this podcast addresses these ideas and is available at parkcanada.org. Assessment of Neglect Neglect is defined in child welfare as the numerous ways in which omissions to meet children's basic needs result in a risk of significant harm or insignificant harm to the child. This definition may vary slightly across Canada based on specific provincial or regional legislation. The assessment of neglect should be conducted broadly in order to incorporate the various contexts children are exposed to, such as their school, family, home, and community. It is important that child welfare practitioners take these ecological systems into consideration. Researchers have examined how child welfare practitioners respond to neglect and determined the following four themes. Focus on risk of child maltreatment. Focus on clients' beliefs. Focus on mental health issues. Focus on self and interview process. The results of this study suggested that the practitioner's cognitive processes and subjective reactions influenced their ability to recognize and respond to child neglect. Further, in another research study focused on assessing neglect, child welfare practitioners shared that they felt they lacked the knowledge to respond to this topic during interviews with families, were uncertain regarding how to ask questions about the child's safety, and were unclear about their own ethical and legal duties. These studies emphasize the important role of child welfare practitioners in assessing neglect, as well as the need for training and resources. First Steps for Assessing Neglect The assessment of neglect often differs from the assessment of other forms of child maltreatment because it is understood by examining longitudinal patterns of care over time. The assessment includes investigations of the nature of the care that is currently being provided by the caregiver, in addition to how care was provided historically. Also, the structure of the surrounding community is an important consideration in assessing neglect. There may be certain cultural standards that are accepted in the community, but may be a concern for child welfare practitioners. For example, caregivers whose culture is accustomed to leaving children home alone, with neighbors supervising from a distance, may be a norm to the family and community, but depending on the age of the child, may be a child welfare concern. 
In these situations, practitioners may use their experiential lens for, of risk of harm to assess whether common practices are a cause for concern. Following are some considerations for how to identify unmet basic needs and what factors might contribute to risk of significant harm or significant harm to the child. Unmet basic needs. The five subtypes of neglect are useful aids when assessing unmet basic needs. Supervisory, physical, emotional, environmental, and educational neglect. These basic needs can be examined in relation to significant harm or risk of significant harm to the child because there may be times that these incidents do not lead to significant harm or risk of harm. For example, if a caregiver has made immediate plans to move out of the infested home or has set up a doctor's appointment for their child. In these examples, neglect may be considered differently because the caregiver is actively attempting to mitigate risk. Following are some examples and assessment considerations adapted from Dubowitz and DePanfilis for assessing children's basic needs. Supervisory. A caregiver does not provide their child with appropriate protection from harmful situations or people. Important considerations include how and by whom was this lack of supervision been reported? What is the developmental capacity of the child? In what ways is the child not being protected? Physical. Failure to provide child with medical care or regular meals that meet basic nutritional requirements. Important considerations include what is the chronicity, extent, and nature of the conditions the child has been exposed to? What are the perspectives of community partners, such as teachers or doctors? Environmental. Toxic or poisonous materials, hazardous unsanitary conditions, changes of residence at least three times within a six-month period. Important considerations include what is the duration in which the child has been exposed to these conditions? Is the housing situation a symptom of neglect, or rather is it complicated by poverty or class? Have caregivers leveraged community or professional support? Emotional neglect. Caregivers' failure to attend to their child's emotional, psychological, or social needs. Important considerations include what is the parent-child relationship like? What is the duration for which this has occurred? What is the child doing in other aspects of their lives, for example, in peer relationships or relationships with people of authority? Educational neglect. Failure to provide opportunity to access education. Important considerations include what are the barriers preventing access to education? What attempts have been made to access education? Thinking critically. Case context. How are these unmet needs assessed differently or similarly based on the community, family context, or family history? What about the socioeconomic or sociopolitical context? Risk of harm or significant harm. Dubowitz and DePanfili suggest that there are a variety of ways or reasons that children's basic needs may be unmet. Also, these needs may be unmet on a short or long-term basis, which contributes to the extent and severity of neglect. The following four factors are dimensions that can be assessed in tandem with unmet needs to determine risk of neglect. Social. Children who experience neglect are often found to be either extremely passively social or extremely aggressive. This stems from the lack of opportunity to engage socially and the need for attention or support. 
Behavioral. There are a range of behaviors that may stem from experiences of neglect. Children may be disruptive and aggressive due to an inability at home to obtain positive attention. They may also be withdrawn or timid due to being unaccustomed to having their needs met. Both of these types of behaviors can have a negative impact on education. Physical. Neglect can have physical effects which may result in injuries or death. Cognitive and academic. Children who have experienced neglect may receive lower grades in school and have challenges with language and IQ. Thinking critically. Practitioner knowledge and experience. How do you consider the interactions between unmet needs and risk of harm or significant harm? What are some of the ways you use your past experiences to assess these concepts? Case context. How do you take into account the structure of the community? How do you reconcile the differences in community expectations with policy or legislation regarding child welfare? Assessment tools. There are many assessment tools that have been proposed, tested, and evaluated regarding child neglect. The following section reviews three of these assessment tools. The Ontario Child Neglect Index, the Ontario Family Risk Assessment Descriptors Neglect Index, and self-report measures. Further, challenges and future directions for assessment are examined. Ontario Child Neglect Index, or CNI. The CNI was developed to assess and specify the severity and type of child neglect. This tool was developed within Ontario and therefore takes into consideration provincial child welfare regulations and laws. The CNI is a single-paged instrument that consists of six different scales for assessing neglect. Supervision, clothing and hygiene, nutrition, mental health care, physical health care, and developmental or education care. Each one of these scales is measured on a 4 to 5 level of severity, which ranges from adequate to seriously inadequate. The child welfare practitioner scores the scale and the type and severity of neglect are determined based on the combination of the highest severity rating with age score. The scale has been evaluated extensively and is suggested to have high concurrent validity and test-retest reliability. One of the limitations of the assessment tool is its length. The conciseness of the tool may limit its comprehensiveness. Methods matter. Concurrent validity is the extent to which a scale or measure agrees with other previously established test scores or classifications. Test-retest validity is a way for testing validity by measuring the same thing twice. Tools should be tested for both validity and reliability, so we know if they are measuring what they are intended to measure and if they measure the same thing over time. Ontario Family Risk Assessment Descriptors Neglect Index The Ontario Family Risk Assessment is a provincial-level assessment tool used in child welfare to assess abuse and neglect. The child welfare practitioner completes the risk assessment for the primary caregiver who is living in the home and assumes responsibility for the child. This tool is to be used in conjunction with the practitioner's judgment, taking into account cultural or contextual complexities. This tool assesses abuse and neglect. It has been evaluated and is suggested to be valid and reliable. The Neglect Index is a rating tool in which the caregiver is scored based on risk. Some of the items are answered either yes or no, while others are scored 1 to 3 based on level of risk. The items are as follows. 
Number of prior child protection investigations. Family has previously received ongoing child welfare support. Number of children involved. Age of youngest child. Caregiver provides physical care inconsistent with child needs. Caregiver has a past or current mental health problem or alcohol, drug, or substance use problem. Characteristics of children in the family and housing. The scoring for this tool is combined with the abuse score and is used to identify the level of risk and informs next steps for the child protection investigation. The scoring chart is included in the print version of this literature review, available at parkcanada.org. Self-report measures. There are a number of self-report measures that child welfare practitioners may use with caregivers to assess neglect. For example, the self-report family inventory is a scale that is used to obtain an internal view of the family's functioning. This scale consists of questions related to five dimensions of family functioning. Conflict resolution, cohesion, health and competence, leadership and expressiveness. Another example is the multidimensional neglectful behavior scale. This scale is used to measure the severity and chronicity of a number of dimensions of neglect, while controlling for socioeconomic status, cognitive ability, social desirability, and physical maltreatment. Research suggests that this is a valid and reliable self-report tool. The Child Abuse Potential Inventory and the Conflict Tactics Scale Parent-to-Child Version are also often used to assess child maltreatment, but do not focus solely on neglect. Methods matter. Self-report measures can be useful tools for assessing neglect. It is important to be tentative with their results because there is a high chance of social desirability bias. This may occur when a caregiver answers the questions in a scale in a way that would make them look favorable, rather than based on their own experiences. Challenges of assessment. Despite the importance of having a better understanding of the implications of neglect, there are still many challenges evident regarding the most effective way to assess neglect. Some of the challenges of measuring neglect are outlined in the following section. Correlation with other types of abuse. Neglect is rarely studied as a phenomenon. Rather, it is often captured in research by overarching terms such as child maltreatment or abuse. Research suggests that 1 out of 10 studies about child maltreatment are specifically about neglect. Sources of data. The majority of research on neglect is gathered through child welfare services, which may not be representative of how the population as a whole experiences neglect. Measurement. Researchers have suggested the importance of capturing various dimensions of neglect, such as chronicity or frequency. These dimensions may be captured differently based on the researcher's theoretical framework or context. Chronicity or patterns of neglect. An important component in assessing neglect is the pattern or chronicity with which it occurs. It is difficult to find longitudinal research on neglect which captures this dimension. Future directions for assessing neglect. Although there are numerous models of assessment for neglect, one of the most integral considerations for child welfare practitioners is how they use their own experience and training to inform the choices they are making regarding assessment. Research suggests that the optimal mode of assessment may be a combination of tools, such as observation and scales, used in tandem to ensure all aspects of neglect are considered. 
Further, it is important that the mode of assessment takes into account the specific subtype of neglect. For example, educational neglect may need to involve cognitive testing, whereas supervisory neglect may include observation and self-report. Thinking critically. Client preferences and values. In what ways are your clients talking to you about neglect? How might they perceive neglect differently or similarly to the research? Practitioner knowledge and experience. How have you dealt with assessing neglect in the past? What are some of the challenges you have noticed in your own experiences of assessing neglect? Case context. How do you pick up on social desirability bias? How does this impact your assessment abilities? Prevention. There is substantial interest in the prevention of child neglect, which is largely due to negative long-term consequences and the high incidence rates of this phenomenon. There has been greater attention paid in the last decade to the importance of applying public health models, considering etiological models, and testing prevention strategies in clinical and dissemination projects. There are a number of comprehensive reviews on prevention programs for neglect that emphasize the importance of developing developmental models of neglect and contextualized prevention programs. The three prevention programs included in this section are the Nurse Family Partnership Program, Child First Model, and the Early Start Program. Nurse Family Partnership Program, or NFP. NFP is an evidence-based prevention program that aims to enhance child health and maternal outcomes in young women living with low income, first-time mothers, and their families. The goals of this program are to use a strengths-based lens to support parenting, improve pregnancy outcomes through health promotion, and to enhance the well-being of the family whenever possible. Nurses visit caregivers in their home early in the mother's pregnancy and continue to visit the family until the child turns two. The program sets out the guidelines of the visit, activities to be conducted in the home, and instructions for all of the home visits. Between 2008 and 2009, this program was piloted in Ontario for the first time. The family members and clients who participated in this study stated that the program met their needs. The results of this project suggested that the program could successfully be implemented in Canada with fidelity to 16 of the 18 model elements. Child First Model the Child First Model is a comprehensive home-based program out of the United States. This acronym stands for Child and Family Interagency Resource Support and Training. This program is a psychotherapeutic home-based program that is offered to mothers who are identified to be at risk. This program uses an ecological model that focuses on the parent-child relationships as the cornerstone of development. The goals for intervention are to enhance parents' ability to provide safe, age-appropriate care and protection to their child. This program has been evaluated using a randomized controlled trial. The results of this study suggested that families who participated in the prevention program were more likely to have improved parenting outcomes and decreased child abuse and neglect than those who were not referred to the Child First program. Methods Matter a randomized controlled trial is when researchers allocate participants at random to several potential interventions. One of these interventions is a control, which means that the participants may receive a placebo or they may not receive any intervention at all. 
Early Start Program. The Early Start Program is a multidimensional prevention program for families who are experiencing difficulty and stress. The program is a home visitation service in which parents are provided with support related to empowerment, health, parenting, and other preschool years issues that might arise. Researchers conducted a randomized controlled trial to evaluate the extent of which the program had beneficial consequences. The results of this study suggest that the program was successful in reducing levels of physical child abuse. The families who participated in the Early Start series were less likely to attend the hospital for abuse and neglect, although these differences were small and should be interpreted with caution. Interventions There is limited research regarding interventions that are developed specifically to mitigate child neglect once it has occurred. This is in part due to the lack of shared conceptual framework for neglect, which has led to different approaches and conclusions regarding the most appropriate interventions. The following section includes an overview of the safe care program and therapeutic services such as behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and parent-child interaction therapy. Safe care. Safe care is a home-based intervention program for parents at risk of or reported for child neglect or abuse. This program is based on the Project 12 Ways program, which is a prevention and intervention program that teaches parents 12 components related to social, environmental, and parenting factors. Safe Care is a condensed version of this program and provides three components, health, home safety and accident prevention, and parent-child interactions. Research suggests that the Safe Care program is highly effective at improving parenting skills and enhancing safety in the homes of children who have experienced maltreatment. More research is required to learn more about how this program specifically impacts neglect. Therapeutic Services There are numerous therapeutic interventions that are suggested to impact child maltreatment and or neglect. The benefit of therapy is that it can be tailored and personalized to meet each individual family's needs. There are also opportunities for various family constellations depending on the therapy, which can include extended family, parent-child dyads, or individual work with the parent or child. The following section highlights research regarding parent-child interaction therapy and behavioral and cognitive behavioral therapy. Parent-Child Interaction Therapy, PCIT. PCIT is based on social learning theory. It is a live coached behavioral parent training intervention focused on enhancing the quality of the parent-child relationship. Unlike behavioral therapy, this program takes a relational approach in which both the parent and the child are worked with together in dyadic sessions. Parenting skills are directly discussed and practiced with the guidance of a therapist. This intervention program has been empirically validated and a randomized efficacy trial suggests that PCIT significantly reduces physical abuse. More research is required to specifically explore the implications of this therapy related to neglect. Behavioral and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Behavioral and Cognitive Behavioral Therapy are two forms of therapy that appear to be effective in reducing child maltreatment. These therapies are typically parent-focused. Behavioral therapy works to train parents to learn effective child management skills, whereas cognitive behavioral therapy is an intervention that works to improve parental coping and awareness while enhancing parenting skills. Research suggests that these therapies are effective in reducing child maltreatment and enhancing parenting skills. 
In behavioral therapy, parents demonstrated an increased capacity to interact positively with their child and control their own behavior without relying on coercion or physical punishment. In cognitive behavioral therapy, studies report consistent successes in parents' improvements in several conditions that predispose them to neglectful treatment. Thinking critically. Research evidence. How does this research about interventions fit with your understanding of interventions for neglect? Practitioner knowledge and experience. What are the interventions that you try to put into place when supporting families who have experiences of neglect? How do you make decisions about which intervention is in the best interest of the child? Conclusions. What did we learn and what is missing? There is an emerging body of literature that provides suggestions and tools for child welfare practitioners to assess neglect. Throughout this literature, there appears to be a consistent emphasis on the child welfare practitioner's subjective appraisal of neglect, encouraging individuals to take into account their own experiences in child welfare, their knowledge about the community, and the various contextual factors that influence neglect. Yet research suggests that child welfare practitioners often feel unprepared and untrained to assess neglect, highlighting a gap in mobilizing research into practice. Consequently, it is important that more research and resources are provided to ensure practitioners feel that they have the tools required to effectively assess and support families experiencing neglect. Further, there appears to be a movement towards prevention programming for families who experience neglect. There is a focus on providing resources and programming to families who are suggested to be at high risk in the hopes of mitigating neglect. There is less research and evaluation apparent on interventions that have been effective for treating neglect once it has occurred, which is another gap evident in the literature. You have been listening to the Parkcast series, Episode 38, Part 2, Neglect, Assessment and Interventions. At parkcanada.org, you can access Part 1 of this episode, Introduction to Neglect. Parkcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, the Parkcast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org.